right, everybody. Welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I am Paul Russo, as always, joined by Kyle Evans. Kyle, happy Monday. We made it to the start of a new week. And once again, um, tale of two different series for the two New York teams. But I feel like we have predominantly negative storylines almost in a way today for the most part across the board. But still some positives we'll discuss. Uh, that Triple A season, the first half officially done in the book. So we'll recap Rochester and Syracuse a little bit and maybe look ahead to what they got going on. But uh, other than that, Another pretty standard ho-hum weekend, I'd say, in the world of uh, New York baseball. Yeah, the Yankees won uh, the homestand, but, man, it just didn't really feel that way with all the errors and stuff that went on. And, um, you know, the offense continues to struggle. But, yeah, I do think we're going to have some negative things to talk about still, despite a winning homestand. And I don't know where my pen went, but I'm missing my pen now, which is very depressing. But either way, let's uh, get – um, a shout out to a couple of our sponsors here, really quick. Dr. Jeffrey Hall said DMD. Dr. Jeffrey Hall said McCandy was hometown dentist for more than 35 years, offering routine dental care as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, dentures by their highly trained and experienced staff. Make sure you visit them online at CandidateWithDentistry.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram. And Lil John Barbie Orthodox. Dr. Lil John and Dr. Barbie and the outstanding orthodontic team share a common goal to ensure the overall wellness of each of their patients through their exceptional orthodontic care. You can check out Dr. Rod and Dr. Liz online at liljohnortho.com. So, Kyle, let's jump into the Yankee stuff here. Um, back-to-back series victories. I was hoping for a sweep of Seattle. Just didn't happen. Uh, I don't want to spend too much hang-up really there. I end up being really Herman's probably worse start in quite some time, to be completely honest. Um, really want to focus more on the Texas series. I think that's a little bit more indicative of maybe where the team kind of is at this point. Obviously, the Rangers are leading the AL West. So big series win in my mind, no matter what, at the end of the day, when you're able to kind of go out and handle that business. But to me, kind of still left – they left that on the table. Uh, obviously, the extra inning loss on on Friday night – and to me, it was kind of a wasted, uh, kind of waste opportunity for for a sweep, in my opinion. Yeah, really. To me, right now, the offense just continues to struggle. If they had a little more offense, they would be well over ten games above five hundred. Um, you know, and right now they're only eight, just because of their offense. They they're the worst in this month in on base percentage, slugging, yeah. runs scored. And, uh, yeah, they, they could have swept this series if they had any kind of more offense on Friday night. Yeah. Now, I'd, we'll highlight here in a minute, um, admittedly, some positive offense news to me anyway. And maybe a little bit of, uh, I think, opinionated, to be quite honest. Um, I do want to talk more or less, I guess, some sequence stuff at this point in terms of timeline through the weekend uh, with stuff. Um, and I know what – couple of you might be thinking how when you go talk about Aaron Judge when we get to the injury news that's when we're going to talk about Aaron Judge at this point because well <laughs> that's where that's where the news is for him <laughs> um let's start here let's start with the actual game on Saturday Severino goes out it's a one nothing when obviously it kind of goes into what you were saying right Kyle where the offense really wants or really need to step up a little bit here but that being said I do want to talk I mean Severino looked about as good as we've seen him this year in my opinion, um, really the stuff that 
kind of put him on the map a few years ago. Um, and frankly, I think he's going to be needing to do that consistently now through the summer for the Yankees to have, rather, I guess, hold their position at the very least in the playoff picture. Um, you know, we already know what we're going to get from pretty much everybody else at this point, right? You know, we'll touch on Nestor here as well here in a couple minutes in the injury stuff. Sounds like he's coming along at right about the pace they expect him to. But, you know, that being said, Nestor comes back, the more or less probably kicks, you know, Brito back to AAA or something like that. Something along those lines, right? Whoever it happens to be that given day. Uh, and at that point, you have Clark Schmidt, who's done really well, but can't get any run support, it seems like. Herman, who's hit and miss. Some days really good, some days really off. Um, we already know about Garrett Cole, so it comes down to really, in my mind, the I see the longest tenured Yankee, right? Yeah, longest tenured Yankee at this point, Luis Severino. Well, technically Kyle Agashioka. Uh, I apologize to Kyle. <laughs> but yeah, um, and and the thing about this start was too. I don't know if people realize this, but the Rangers have, I would say, the best offense in the league, the most yeah. runs no, they, scored. They do, they do. And if you look at their batting averages, I know batting averages and everything anymore, but. If you look, nobody's like below a 240. Like, no. they're very good um, from top to bottom. Um, even their catcher can hit Jonah Heim, and uh, he took Garrett Cole deep. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very impressive um, that he did it against a lineup um, like that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with this Rangers lineup uh, that I think, really, to be fair, it's probably a kudos to the whole pitching staff really through the weekend, including Friday night. To be completely honest, right, predominantly keeping that lineup for the most part, in check, for the most part, right? Obviously, they had their moments. That's not going to – it's not like you can hide it, right? But for the most part, they kept them in check all weekend, and uh, that's about all you can ask for, I think. You know, we talk about when the batting needs to step up or when the pitching needs to step up. I mean, the pitching really stepped up this weekend, to be completely honest. Yeah, and so many guys out of that bullpen have been unbelievable. Um, a guy like Nick Ramirez, yeah. uh, he hasn't get, given up a run in 10 of his last 12 appearances – I mean, nobody would have thought that, you know, coming into this huh. this season. And um, I do also, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but in that extra inning game on Friday, you know, the Yankees' offense is struggling. It's an extra inning. You've got a runner on second. Do these guys just literally, like, there's no bunting. They don't bunt. Well, that's if just – you're struggling to score yeah. runs and you have a free runner on base, why aren't we bunting? That's kind of – Jose Trevino's up. That's one of those general gripes I have about – not just with the Yankees or with the Mets, just Major League Baseball as a whole. Where, Especially for me, it's more in the situation where if you're the home team, right, and you're able to shut the team down in your half of the inning and pitching it in the field, like to me that's a gimme to this. At the very least, you try the first batter, in my mind, and run them over. But that's, you know, like I said, to me that's not just a Yankee issue or a Met issue. That's, you know, a whole league issue in my opinion. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, uh, to piggyback off of you, um, I mean, Clay Holmes looked really good again. Um, I think going back, we haven't really talked about it too much, right? But I think kind of not using him as the closer to that pressure situation has done really well. And he's still in these, like, leverage spots, right? Like, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Like, they're still using him in leverage spots, but it kind of takes, I think, maybe that pressure off him a little bit. And he's been really well. I mean, somebody joked it was made – 2022 Clay Holmes all over again uh, the past few days. So uh, you can't ask for more than that, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, the biggest thing is he's just 
you know, pounding the strike zone. He's not leaving the sinker up, uh, mixing pitches a little more. Um, but, yeah, he's been a bright spot, as well as Tommy Canely deserves a shout-out. Hasn't given up a run over nine and two-third innings. Um, even picked up his save the other night, first since 2018. Um, looks like the old Tommy Canely. The fastball isn't as, as good as it once was, but uh, his changeup is just unbelievable. He'll throw seven changeups in a row. That's how good it is. And, you know, all, all things considered, King bounced back pretty well, too, for, for his other opportunities over the weekend. And yep. that, that that's big. You know, he's still a young kid. Ron Marinaccio's been good. Everyone's been good. That's why they have the best bullpen in, in the league. Um, I would, before we get on to the Glaber and Josh Downs and stuff, quick question that I didn't want to bring up uh, because we saw yesterday uh, we were really, you know, we talked about last week, when is Giancarlo going to kind of step up here, right? He's one of the guys that we were asking about when he's going to step up. Bader had a pretty good weekend. He stepped up as well yesterday. But my question to you is really regarding those two. Um, you know, obviously we know Boone's not afraid to put Stanton up in the lineup, and we finally saw it yesterday with Bader. But to me, especially Bader, needs to be up in the lineup. I think that's even the case when Judge gets back. Um, I think, was it Friday he was in the seven hole again or something like that, or six or seven hole? I, I'm not saying that it's inexcusable or something like that, but when, you're, when your offense has very clearly been struggling, I think you got to have a guy like Bader up in the top half of the lineup at the very least. I mean, that's, my, that's the way I go about when I set a lineup, and a guy like Bader especially, spark plug guy, I want him either – either one or two or ninth so I can flip it. And in the case of the Yankees and Bader, in my mind it should be one or two. Yeah, the thing about him and uh, or about Bader and Volpe, if those are the guys that need to get on base, even if it just walks, because then they can distract pitchers, kind of like we saw right. this past week. And that's the thing, too. We've I don't know if we if you remember, but we talked about it a little bit um, off camera. Like, they just struck – they're not even getting walks. No. They're, they're not getting on base. They're not making these pitchers work good enough. And – um, I know they won the homestand, but I mean, when they're facing better teams, I, I, like I, I don't know. Moving forward, they got to they got to get better. The Rangers, I actually cannot believe, did not win that series of how the Yankees played. Yeah, I mean, that's baseball, right? It's bound to happen every now and then. Um, not to not to get into actually, you know, a couple topics from now in a way where we preview, you know, the week this the series with Oakland. Kind of wonder because I I base it off of really the pitching matchups coming up. Part of me wonders if they're going to experiment a little bit with this series in Oakland. I know it's probably not the most ideal thing to do, but I kind of wonder in a way if we'll see some sort of experimentation kind of going on about with different stuff. Um, if there's a, if there's one of the teams to do it, it's, it's obviously you can do it against Oakland, but um, we'll get to that, I think, more here in a sec. All right. Um, I want to start uh, with the Glaber Torres stuff going on. He has had <sighs> – it's been a rough couple weeks for him. Um, I, I mean, the the one that sticks out to me is that that play in Boston where, um, he, I don't think he necessarily rushed it per se. I just say he threw the ball away on a backhand play. Um, you know, he fast forward to to this weekend base running blunders, another fielding gaff type stuff, and. I mean, for a guy who's been, frankly, in all honesty, one of, what, two consistent Yankee players, at least in the lineup every day this year, it, it's kind of baffling. And I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but um, you, you do kind of wonder, 
potentially where guys' heads can be at every now and then. He's slumping, right, you know, to a degree at the plate. It's understandable. Uh, you may Your mind may kind of wander in other spots, but, um, you know, obviously the base running deal yesterday could have been a – it frankly should have been a bigger deal than it ended up becoming because of the result of the game itself. But in the moment, um, I mean, that was just the absolute – it was just an absolute inning killer, <laughs> you know. And nobody I don't know was out. Way around it, right? So, and that's the tough thing that I, I prefaced it with this. He's one of like two position players from the Yankees who has been in the lineup every day, pretty much, um, more or less, I guess, out of necessity, maybe at this point to a degree. But, and maybe that kind of hinders the decisions that you know Boone can make. I saw people on Twitter were just like bench him right now. Like I'm like. The Yankees don't exactly have that luxury at the moment, per se. So, what can you do? Um, not to not to go too far ahead here, like with the Donaldson thing, but I don't I don't know if a sit down is maybe necessary. But you certainly have to talk to the guy, especially after someone like that. Yeah, I was actually one of those people. Um, I get you know their offense is struggling, but in that moment, you know, costing your team another situation like right. that. I, I was hoping Aaron Boone would make that move, but we've never seen him make that kind of move in a game before. And uh, it made me think of Kevin Cash, you know, when he benched uh, Wander Franco for not hustling. Um, I know the Rays are in a much better spot, you know, leading the division by a lot. But yeah. at this point, if a player's, you know, doing them kind of things, hurting your team, mm-hmm. whether you're struggling or not, the guy's got to sit. He can't keep doing it. It's too many errors in two weeks, three weeks. And it's not, like you said, it's not just yeah. um, on the offense. It's it's defensively, too. And you didn't mention, you know, he couldn't corral a throw into second base, which allowed another runner to score when they played the Red Sox at home. No, that's right. There's yeah. been, been multiple things that have gone on with them, and it, it just continues. And it's just, I, I don't know I don't I, even know what to say. I, I, I think I'm going with this, at least, thought process here. I, to me, anyway, if – even if one of the guys are kind of back healthy and it kind of frees up Connor Falefa, do you think he do you think he benches him yesterday? Because I I do think that would have been on the table if if one extra guy is more or less available yesterday. I don't know because I was like thinking about it. We we just never have seen him do that, and he you know he's he's one of the managers in the league that like. I would say defends his players the most. Mm. Like you'll never hear him call out one of his players. And I don't know if you heard, but after that three-error game and that blowout loss to Seattle, he was defending Rizzo, Donaldson, all the guys that made errors that in that one inning. And at some point, like, it's okay to like, you know, admit stuff. You know, I know it's your players. You know, but I mean, right. sometimes they they do deserve a little bit of a call out. Like not everything's okay. And I just sometimes Aaron Boone just. Rubs me the wrong way when he does that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess. All right, this little segue you gave. Donaldson, um, also occurring on Saturday, was a sit-down meeting between Boone and Donaldson. Um, I don't think I don't think anybody really knows exactly what was said, right? But we can all take that general like, guess, and obviously what was said was more than likely you have to s- step it up here. It's interesting. <clears throat> I know a lot of people are saying DFAM, DFAM, and I think we we are probably nearing a point where that has to be an option on the table. Uh, I think the only reason why the Yankees maybe haven't yet, to be quite honest, is they DFA'd Hicks, 
So they're already eating money on that contract. I don't know if they necessarily like want to do that again with another guy, but I mean, we're nearing an interesting issue here because I, I look, I'll be the first one to hand up. I was really intrigued to see what his bat return in the lineup could do for this team. And for the most part, not a ton. Um, off the bat, had a couple big home runs, but you know, since then, hasn't been much. So I, I don't know. And furthermore, I forgot to kind of shout him out of the way, but like, you look at DJ LeMahieu, maybe not the best weekend he's ever had, but certainly had impactful moments throughout the weekend where he was able to step up at the dish when the Yankees needed him. So um, I don't know if that makes Donaldson any more expendable than he is, but usually those meetings that you have with a manager and management aren't usually – you know, a precursor to you staying on the team long. Yeah, he's 8 for 64 this season, 3 for his last 37. Um, sometimes his bats are just uncompetitive. You just, I mean, we can make a whole highlight reel of him standing there watching strikes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he just, I don't know. I think it is time to move on. Um, everyone's calling for Oswald Peraza, but I don't think people know that he's hurt. he hasn't been in the lineup. But at this point, I'm so fine with moving on from him that I'm, I would put Oswaldo at third base. He'd I mean, give you better at-bats at this point. Um, or Wilmer Defoe. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think – I don't know if they're, if they're actually going to move on from him. I don't believe anything <clears throat> Donaldson said yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that they have meetings usually once a week or every series. I mean um, – And that it was all ball talk. <laughs> And, uh, man, I just – Yeah, but for a guy who's struggling, all ball talk is literally like you step it up. Like, I, I don't – and I, I, you want to know what I'll, – I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I disagree with you. I don't doubt that they maybe have meetings every series. You want to know where I do agree with you, though, with this? Probably not individually one-on-one like that. <laughs> I bet you it's more, you know, where – I'm not saying classroom setting, but I bet you it's kind of like football where it's group setting with, with different players, not, not individually. <laughs> And then I thought it was funny that he declined to speak to the media before the game, but then spoke after the game, and then he was not seen in the dugout. I don't know if you saw that report. I didn't see that. He was not in the dugout yesterday. So uh, I don't know what's going on. Um, He's You know, he hasn't played in three straight games. Um, But pinch hitting him, I don't know if we're going to talk about this, pinch hitting him Friday night for a guy who's been one of your best hitters in Billy McKinney was just mind-blowing. I get it. You're looking for a home run. But the guy hasn't even done anything. And Billy had some pop. I mean, he has, what, three, four home runs now? And he's hitting 300 over his last 10 games? I couldn't believe that. And what does Donaldson do? Strike out. Yeah. So I just, I was like, come on, Boone, really? I mean, maybe that pinch hit was the uh, potential final straw. I don't know. We'll see if he's in the lineup tomorrow. All right, let's talk about some injuries uh, and stuff because uh, really, to be fair, in my mind, the biggest headline to come out this weekend has to do with Aaron Judge, uh, who officially referred to his injury as a torn ligament. Uh, This was the first time this has happened. Um, I'll say this portion and we'll get to the more discourse of it. He has asked the team to to resume some non-contact baseball activities, whether it means uh, just kind of swinging a weighted bat or even like playing catch. They have said no up to this point uh but you know we were looking at an already murky timeline to come back anyway i think i was obviously on the more optimistic side of things you were obviously not on the pessimistic side of things kyle but now we know it's going to be longer 
Uh, I officially saw today on the injury report that it's now an August target return date as opposed to sometime in July. Uh, so uh, just another another mystery uh, with the Yankees' medical um, news, notes, reports. I don't know what to call them at this point. Uh, solved by uh, the one guy who, who was hurt. Yeah, um, two weeks from today, the All-Star break starts. No way he returns before not, then. Not at this point. Um, so then when the when the, the second half starts up, I think it's like the 15th of July or something, 14th. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, by then, like, I think August might be the, the, the new deadline or the new timeline now. Um, and, man, I just don't know how much longer this team can go without him. And there has to be some other move coming in then. Um, eventually, these guys that are heading like the McKinney's and the Bowers – they're not going to be able to keep carrying this load. And Rizzo's hitting a little better. Um, but, yeah, Glaber and DJ, they got to give more. Right? We keep saying it. But, I mean, it's so true. They're barely winning these games. They're lucky their pitching is among the best in the league. Yeah, I think this weekend was um, – it's a pivotal one in baseball at this point, right? We get This is the final full week. Well, this past was a full final weekend of June. Uh, we're in the final week of June. Um, I mean, for example, Colorado went out and got got slapped around all weekend pretty much by the Angels. Um, and I think that kind of puts them for sure in the sell, sell spot position, right? So a couple more teams, you know, throughout the weekend have kind of shown themselves to probably be doing that at the deadline. So it will be really intriguing. I mean, that's we'll go back to them being a possible team to to make some phone calls on. And I know, you know, they don't have an exact ton, right? But, you know, if you're the Yankees, for example, right, make a phone call, see what Randall Gritchick might might cost, right? Um, personally speaking, I wouldn't want Chris Bryant. He's hurt again, obviously. So, uh, but, you know, if he was healthy, I think he'd be on the more expensive end. So go after a guy in my mind like Randall Gritchick, who's having, frankly, a pretty decent year. I know it's not maybe glamorous, right, but he's banging two, in between 260 to 270 on a given week, and, you know, for for a Yankee team right now, that that doesn't sound half bad, <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, I, I I agree. They gotta do something. Um, I keep seeing, like I said last week, Cody Bellinger. I don't really get it. More strikeouts, two thirty hitter right now. Like I, I just want someone for him. Like it just to me, it's just like another. Yeah. Like not a great move. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, quickly, I just want to say, like, if the Yankees didn't have the bullpen they had or the starting pitching, they would literally be where the Mets are. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Hey, speaking of pitching, this is positive pretty much the rest of the way in my mind in terms of injury report. Nestor Cortez, two to three days away from throwing off a mound. Um, through last week, everything went well, just giving him a couple of days extra of rest. And it sounds like his throwing program is going about as well as it could be going in this early stage. Um, Ian Hamilton... Nothing official here, but is expected to be activated in time for the series starting tomorrow in Oakland. Pretty much expected it. I mean, that was kind of the way it was leaning, right? There was an outside chance he was going to be ready for the Rangers series. Wasn't the case, but good to go for uh, starting tomorrow. And Carlos Rodon completed his second rehab start. This time going four innings. No runs allowed while striking out four and allowing a hit. Uh, I believe he went 40, was it 48 pitches this time, I think? Something like that. Uh the only comment really from the Yankees was they, they really want to try and get him now pushing towards that 75 marker. Um, so I'm guessing we'll see a pitch count somewhere in the 50s, maybe even 60 for that third rehab start sometime uh, later on this week. 
Yeah, he did say after the game that he threw two more, uh, uh, like basically two more ups in the bullpen after this because um, they were dealing with some rain and stuff, so it was just a weird yeah. start. But, yeah, he looked good. I saw that his fastball touched 95 a few times, so his velocity starting to get there. But um, they keep saying that July 5th against the Orioles at Yankee Stadium might be the target date, and, you know, that would be, what, five days before the All-Star break? Yeah. So it would be good to see him get in a start before then. I mean, and to put him on, as you said, five days is pretty much as the normal rest date at that point. And, um, I mean, obviously he's not going to go to the All-Star game. So you're looking at probably about eight-ish, nine-ish days of rest at that point for him. So I I don't hate it at this point, I'd say. Yep. All right. Let's talk about this Oakland series for the Yankees. Three games uh, for them out west. It's a weird road trip for the Yankees coming up. They go to Oakland, then they go to St. Louis before coming back east uh, formally and home. Uh, but Oakland up first, 9.40 tomorrow, Tuesday on Yes or MLB Network, apparently, which I don't know why they'd want this game, but who knows uh, if you're in, in the market for it. Uh, Johnny Burrito will be going against Paul Blackburn on Wednesday, 9.40 on Yes. It's Domingo Herman against J.P. Sears, Yankee legend. And on Thursday, a 3.37 getaway game for the Yankees here on the East Coast, Yes or MLB Network, Clark Schmidt against TBA for the Oakland A's. So, um, be pretty interesting what happens here. Again, I do want to get into this a little bit here. I think they kind of get experimental a little bit in the series uh, lineup wise. Um, I wouldn't be surprised anyway if they did. Uh, maybe this is where we see some true back to backs of Volpe and Bader, maybe standing in a two hole spot at some point. Who knows? Um, but, you know, if you're Boone, I think you have to not be afraid to get experimental in this series with the A's. Um, in an ideal world, I think the Yankees sweep them. A's have been a little bit more plucky again recently. Uh, they aren't on that winning streak or anything like that like they've been on before. But, you know, that being said, they've been more plucky the past month, month and a half. I think the Yankees get two of three. Um, you know, the interesting really matchup pitching-wise to me in my mind is, is probably game one between Johnny Brito and Paul Blackburn, all-star last year for Oakland, kind of their de facto ace. Coming back from injury, this I believe will be his fifth start, but no decisions yet for him. So um, kind of like one of those, if you're them, you're going to gun for a decision for your guy. Um, so I think the Yankees get two or three realistically. I think they do get experimental a little bit, try some things. Uh, before heading to St. Louis? I'm going to say one of three. Okay. And that is going to become Wednesday, the Mm. only one. And it's just going to be because of the offense. Um, And they're going to be very close games, of course. Uh, But, yeah, one of three, I see. All right. Let's transition over to the Mets. Uh, A lot of more of the same that we've been talking about. Um this time losing a pivotal series against an in-division foe against the Phillies. I mean, really the main storyline all comes from from yesterday, Sunday. Uh, blown up by the bullpen uh, in the eighth inning, specifically Tommy Hunter catching a lot of the heat here and justifiably. But, uh, I mean, man, like what are we doing? This is tough. And... <laughs> I said going into this, right? I mean, this was the true crossroads. What are you going to do going forward here? And, man, for, for a team where you see Pete Alonzo 
and Lindor step up yesterday offensively, right? Be the be the catalyst they need to be. I mean, I I just I'm running out of I'm running out of terms for him at this point. I'm running out of synonyms and all that. I'm only in another thesaurus for for terms for this because our expectations for them are so high this year and justifiably high that you know I'm not gonna be like you know Frank the Tank here eating my eating glasses or anything like that, but. I mean, this has been unequivocally a failure now up to this point for sure and probably going to be a failure of a season. I mean, I, I don't see how at this point they can turn around. No, we could be wrong. I mean, the, the Nationals did in 2019, blah, 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 but like – They I, didn't bury themselves as far. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just – I don't know. I just – I don't know where the escape hatch is at this point. I, I just don't. Yeah, and this was a team that they actually uh... – one of the uh, few National League teams that they've had success against lately. Um, they actually won the series earlier in the year. Um, and then, you know, they get that game on Saturday where, if you thought about it, it was the first game that things actually clicked. You know, they won 4-2. They got enough offense, and the pitching was good. And then they turn around, you know, yesterday, and, you know, when they get enough offense again, the pitching isn't good. And that's just the same story it's been. And they're almost going on a month. If they don't take three or four from the Brewers this week, it'll be a month since they last won a series. And and I don't want to get too far ahead, but I can't. I I personally think they split with the Brewers. And the sad part is, the Brewers are lined up to where you probably aren't getting Corbin Burns, and if you do, it's going to be on semi-short rest type deal. Um, Like, this is a team, I think, at this point that, you know, I talk about how I think the Yankees might experiment a little bit, for example, with Oakland. How come they – the Mets, I think, are beyond that point, right, obviously. But, like you said, Kyle, I mean, the offense clearly just is not the issue at this point. Sure, they have their slumps and whatever, but, like, compared to the pitching, like, offense is, like, borderline untouchable comparatively right I mean I can't be the only one I think this is where we can kind of get into this and I, I I've seen a lot more calls for this all of a sudden in the past couple of days but like so like Buck Buck Showalter gets ejected like finally for showing some emotion in a little bit as I call it like I know when you put in our group check how I'm like okay he's showing signs that he's breathing I guess like you know but like to me, like the train, like the train's already left the station. Like, if that's where he thought that was deserving, like I go back to that spot in Houston last week where that was where that should have been done. Not, not against the Phillies on Saturday. You know, like what? I just, and this is a tough spot because I feel like there's a lot of irrational takes about Buck's managerial ability in a way right now that I think in the moment are completely unjust, but, like, I don't think you should be taking too many digs at his body of work when he's done a lot more with a lot less. And that's the sad part about this, right, is we've seen what he was able to do with those Baltimore teams, for example, most recently. I know what some people might think. Like, those teams were good. Like, yeah, you had Manny Machado and your second-best hitter – 
throughout most of that run, in all honesty, was J.J. Hardy. Not Chris Davis, but J.J. Hardy. Right? Like, what are we doing here? So, I don't know. And it's weird because if you do a retrospective of Buck's career, this kind of almost lines up in a way. Like, I think you probably don't remember too much about, like, those Rangers teams he managed, do you? No. Okay. Those Rangers teams that he had for the most part were designed to be kind of like what the Mets are right now in a way. Maybe not as, like, listed as good. But they were lined up to be really good. I mean, Alfonso Soriano, if you want to go slightly deeper, Alex Rodriguez for, I think, technically two years. But, you know, Hank Blaylock, Mark Teixeira. Um, (laughs) You had some really interesting, like, different career points for different people on those pitching staffs. Like, Kenny Rogers, the second half of his career is, you know, kind of marked by a little bit of some stuff with the Rangers there. And doing good. I'm sorry. I just – you hear that? Very weird. Anyway. um, But those Rangers teams were kind of designed to just run rough shot through the AL West, and they never never really did. It was a lot of the Angels and a lot of Oakland in his time in in Texas kind of running the show out West. So I don't know if that's just the way it is. I mean, he was the first manager of the Diamondbacks, and – he did really good with the small team that he had there for a minute, and then they get brought in a bunch of guys like Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. Next thing you know, uh, he, he gets fired because they were underperforming. I don't know. I, to me, Buck's one of the best managers uh, of this era, uh, but maybe there is something to it where he can't maybe rally the, the, the big gun all-stars like this and, and make them play like one. Yeah, I- Every day I watch him because I always turn their games on, of course, and it's just hard to believe what is going on. And it just seems like every day, besides Saturday, like it just gets worse. Like they they tied their season low, seven games under five hundred. You know they keep getting buried in the standings. They're eight games out of a wild card spot now, yeah. fifteen out of the division. Um, just something that it's just hard to believe. Because remember, this team was thirteen and seven at one point. Yeah. Um, and things have just technically bigger than that because they had that huge West Coast road swing that we've talked about. Yeah, and they're only five and a half games above the worst nationally team, the Colorado Rockies. Mm-hmm. So that's where things stand, and the Brewers aren't going to be any easier. You know, they're not a great team, but they're a good team. So it's going to be tough. So through the weekend, uh, some injury news and some trades uh, transactions were made here. Let's start with some guys on rehab assignments. Jose Catana. Made his third rehab start, uh, this time the first, though, with high A Brooklyn. Went four innings and throwing 47 pitches. In the same game, Alicia Hernandez threw a scoreless inning of relief. Um, so guys who, you know, they're hoping to get back here pretty quick, uh, including the way Sounds Hernandez might be coming out of the bullpen here, the way they're kind of using him in these rehab assignments. That'll help in theory, uh, but, uh, again, it might be – who knows, just throwing water on a grease fire at this point. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, I, again, it's hard not to knock when uh, the, the rehabs are going good for these guys. Yeah, and right now they honestly could take any reliever they can get. Um, it's Every day the bullpen's giving up runs, it seems like. Um, and, and yesterday, 
hitting runners with the bases loaded, walking runners with the bases loaded. I mean, you just can't make this up. That's where the bullpen is right now. They just can't get outs. So over the weekend, they did make a move. They claimed reliever Reed Garrett off of waivers from Baltimore. And he was option option right away to AAA Syracuse. Um, I don't want to read between the lines too much with that back end portion of it. I think it had to do with a lot of stuff kind of going on that was already in the works <laughs> at the time. Uh, but Reed Garrett might be a name that uh, we, we recognize here on Concrete Jungle. Pitched for Rochester last year. So um, he's a solid arm. Be interesting to kind of see. I, obviously the Mets this past year have been doing a lot of the uh, fresh arm initiative. Uh, a lot of guys on the shuttle going back and forth between Syracuse to, to New York City. So I'm guessing that's kind of what we will see there, at least with Reed. Um, here's where the fun for me really begins. Pretty much right when we got done uh, recording on Thursday, um, Tyler Mago was optioned to Triple A Syracuse. Uh, and that's tough for the Mago family because his brother was also optioned. He's with the Brewers was optioned to their AAA team in Nashville also uh, on Thursday. So um, I believe the, the Mako family might have had plans to come to Queens uh, this, this for this week and uh, will not be happening, but uh, that happens. Anyway, caught me off guard, and there was no outright um, true transaction to couple it with. And it's interesting because I don't want to get too far ahead, but David Peterson is back in – the probable pitching slot for the Mets in this series against the Brewers. So I'm guessing they they that that's going to be the switch, even though Peterson um, on the logs has not been called back up yet, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I know Peterson's thrown the ball well at AAA, mm-hmm. but, man, he just has not been good at the major league level. Um, but at this point, I guess you're just doing anything you can to try to to try to, uh, you know, get a game to, to start the series off well, so I, I don't know. I was kind of surprised they didn't actually do Lucchese, given the fact he's actually pitching the better of the two at, at, at Syracuse, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into assuming and stuff like that, but who knows. Um, so right-hand pitcher, reliever Vinny Natoli got called up from Syracuse, as did shortstop from Rochester, Danny Mendick. So that's pretty interesting to see there. Uh, Mendick, though, was on the back end of uh, what we finally have a trade of. Uh, and it's more because of the team that Eduardo Escobar is going to with the Angels, who uh, literally at the end of last week had pretty much all but one infielder go down for the year, uh, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but he got traded to the Angels for right-hand pitchers Coleman Crow and Landon Moreau, or Marceau. Um, guessing Marceau has already been – uh, sent to the minors. I'm guessing Crow will be as well. But Double A. He made his first start yesterday. How about that? See, it was weird how the log didn't have it listed. It was very confusing. But uh, the Eduardo Escobar era in Queens is over. Uh, obviously not the year he wanted with the Mets. And um, they went with some pitching depth uh, in order for that deal to, deal to get done. I'm guessing – we might be seeing more of that from the Mets here going forward to, to some degree with some other players. Um, and, I mean, who knows? But uh, to me, it will be interesting to kind of see who gets the actual running time here. They went with Mendick for the time being. 
but will it be Vientos? I'd like to assume he'll be back up, but personally, I'd, I also want to see Ronnie Mauricio at some point here this year. But I mean, we've been banging the drums of letting the kids play, but uh, will they actually do it? Who knows? Yep, keep, uh, keep clearing spots, let these kids play. Um, it's it's funny, though, Eduardo Escobar was actually hitting a little better yeah. the last two weeks, and I guess maybe that uh, got his trade value up a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then yesterday in his debut, he has two hits. It looked real good at a triple. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I thought the trade was not a bad one. It was a good one. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing with it, right, is, like, the – they have to try something, maybe in the sense, right? I mean, I talk about they need to try something. Like, I just I figure if you're going to make a trade like that, you try and maybe get a guy who could make a true immediate impact. I know they, the Angels had just optioned uh, Jimmy Hergert back to the minors, and uh, you know he's he's had his moments of really good stuff, moments of some rough stuff, but he's an experienced bullpen arm, and uh, you know for a team that certainly needs. The bullpen help that they need. Kind of surprised that wasn't the option, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I can't believe they haven't made a move yet for a reliever, an actual, like, MLB reliever. No, no. I'm with you there. All right, so we kind of already alluded to it a ton here. The Mets have the Brewers coming into town starting tonight, Monday night, for four games. Um, pretty pretty big series, to be completely honest, uh, for, for both teams at this point. Uh, so tonight, 7-10, first pitch on SNY or MLB Network, depending upon where you are. Colin Rhea against Justin Verlander. Tomorrow night, 7-10, Tuesday on SNY, Julio Tehran, who has somehow resurrected his career in Milwaukee. Like, I don't know where the hell that came from. Uh, against David Peterson, Wednesday, 7-10 on SNY or MLB Network, once again, to be determined against Kota Senga. Then the same thing Thursday for the Brewers, TBD against Max Scherzer. That's a 7-10 first pitch on SNY. I'm going to true 2-2 split here. Um, the Brewers, God, you want to talk about a team that should be better than they are once again. They just kind of aren't. And injuries have plagued them a little bit. But you can't be just well, your only two starters announced, be Colin Rea and a former top prospect of two different teams, and Julio Tehran, who literally in this time last year was pitching for the Stanton Island Ferry Hawks. So, um, it's just one of those things where, again, with the two, t- two TBDs in there, I think that can kind of play maybe to the Mets' advantage. I'll say this. To me, this is Justin Verlander's biggest start coming up here tonight as a Met, at the very least. And he'll give up five runs tonight. Well, this is what I'm getting at, right, is like we kind of talked about a little bit with Severino in this sense, right, is we, I think we all kind of know what, what Severino is going to be for the rest of the year at this point, just given the way things have shaken out in his starts, right? Verlander is at that point where, and he's a veteran, right, like hardcore diehard veteran. If it doesn't come together tonight, I think what you got for Verlander is what you got for the year. And that's not going to suffice for for the rest of it. So I think this is the biggest start for Verlander tonight. Who knows? It might be – this might be the biggest Met game of the season tonight, in all honesty. And it's because of, to me, Verlander, Verlander's – 
I guess, the weight of this game for Verlander, more or less. It's Colin Rhea against Justin Verlander tonight. You mean to tell me that in any other situation we would even be remotely discussing like if the Mets could beat Colin Rhea and the Brewers tonight? This this wouldn't even be a discussion in my mind if we were talking about this back in April, but it is. It's wild that we're at this point. Yeah, the problem is, though, with the Mets, they can get a really good start from their starter, but then if the starter goes six innings, their bullpen has to cover you know the final three innings, and the bullpen just never usually shuts the door. Even guys like Ottavino, the veterans, they struggle. It's like they can just never get that perfect game where a starter cruises through six, they turn it over to their best relievers, and they shut it down. It just seems like that's never easy for them to do. Or if they do do that, no offense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know it looks great for the Mets tonight. They're back home. They actually have a winning record at home. They're terrible on the road. But just knowing the way the Mets have gone this year, they probably will lose. I just don't even know if it's actually that that great that they are. That Whatever, though. Like That's what I'm getting at with this. Is like, At what other point would we be saying if we that, that we're – more or less circling this game as the do-or-die game that features Colin freaking Ray against Justin Verlander. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if we if if we come back here Thursday and we have to talk about how Verlander got shelled for five or six, ship him. Ship him. Ship him and just put all your chips in for Otani in the offseason. So you still think, regardless of how bad this gets, Buck Showalter will never be the guy out? Like, there's just still no chance in your mind he gets fired? I don't think... Like, maybe. if they go and get swept, and what are they going to be, 11 games under 500? Is that right? 11 I don't under... I don't think a midseason thing with them at this point is going to make a difference. And I know we, we've been over it before. Like, like I know, like, for example, and we all have the example, right? Like, Rob Thompson last year at the Phillies, but, like, Rob Thompson's also on the hot seat right now, to be completely clear. There have been rumblings out of Philadelphia that some people want him gone. So I I don't know I, so, to me anyway with the way the team is right now I don't think firing Buck's gonna do next of anything who's gonna manage Eric Chavez like I don't know <laughs> like Carlos Beltran he's in the front office there now it just I, I just I I don't think firing Buck at this point is gonna make all that big of a difference I just don't and that's saying something from from where I just was talking about how, like, I, do, I just don't know if he's going to be the guy for the job anyway. But, like, I don't know if – I think that – I think if you're going to do that change, I think you should have done it, like, two weeks ago before you're now sitting, what is it, seven games below 500 and 15 games back of the division, let alone the wild card. But, I mean – I just can't believe it, even if things even get worse, like, they're just going to sit here and literally do nothing. Like, the fans are just going to keep complaining and they're just not going to make a move to satisfy them. They're just going to keep riding it out with what the roster they have, you know, with the management that they have. It just usually teams that do this and go on crazy losing streaks and especially teams that have such, you know, a big payroll and are expected to be good. I mean, literally, they're going to go from 101 wins to 74. And they went out and got two veteran guys, you know, to help out with their pitching. And I just don't know how you can sit there and not do anything. I don't I don't think that firing Buck Schulter would necessarily change much, but I mean you're just gonna sit there and not make any move? Usually teams make a move at least. No, I I think it comes down to Or like the pitching coach. Yeah. Jeremy Hefner. Is he not a guy that could be out? 
Like what? I just feel like you have to do something to make it oh, seem. Oregon's like, got me available. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like you got to do something. I don't know how you can just keep sitting I, here. I think it comes down to roster at this point. To be completely honest, I th- I just think, um, frankly, they 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 sat too long without making some sort of more drastic of a move there, and now it's going to plague them. And um, to take an adage personally from the Syracuse football playbook, um, you know, having having a special teams coordinator changes the way the mindset was for them. Mets will have a director of play, baseball ops. They don't have a president of baseball ops. Like, what, like did, I think having that filled going in this year would probably have at least mitigated maybe some of this. Damn, I should be completely honest. At least there, there's an actual true person you have to answer to for at least three different guys, right? Whether it be Epler to Showalter to, I mean, take your pick out of any of the main coaches, I guess, in that sense. Can you believe they're nine games below the Marlins? It's wild. Nine. Yeah. Double digits possibly tonight. Yeah. So, what was, uh, so your, what's your prediction then for the series? I think the Brewers get three of four. Okay, and I, I'm taking the the. I think I'm taking the more positive route, splitting. And that's just because I. And then they already got swapped by the Brewers this year, so right. I just think. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I I physically cannot trust Julio Tehran to shut down a team. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been I've been burned too many times by that guy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, let's spend a few minutes on. Rochester and Syracuse, the first half of the AAA season has concluded. They get a couple more days off here before resuming the second half. Um, so Rochester finishes the better of the two teams in the first half at 34 and 39, tied for 11th. Syracuse uh, concluded at 33 and 41, tied for 14th. And uh, for Syracuse, they defeated Durham in the week-long series 5-1. to one. That's actually what really catapulted them literally out of 20th into the tied for 14th slot uh, over the weekend. So it was pretty interesting. I think both teams, uh, they started off really slow and really bad for the most part. I know Syracuse was above 500 for the first couple weeks, but uh, they came back to earth pretty quickly for what they clearly might have been. But both kind of rebounded nicely really over the course of the past couple weeks, especially in the case of Syracuse in that sense. Um and it will be interesting, right? This is the first year of AAA that, that is doing the halves, and I've mentioned it, and I both stick by my guns on this. I think both Rochester and Syracuse will be contending in the second half. Uh, both were playing good baseball at the right time here down the stretch. Uh, I know Rochester didn't get to 500 like you thought, potentially, Kyle, yeah. in the month of June here. But, you know, that being said, both teams have some really good players finally kind of churning out some really good baseball consistently here. And that's big. And I think, you know, as it stands right now, I don't think you'll see too, too much roster movement from the courts of these teams uh, in the second half. Could be wrong, obviously. Probably will be, but, you know, it's pretty apparent Vientos is going to be down here for at least a few more days. I doubt we will see, Oh, wow. Uh, sorry, there was an yeah, NBA trade. NBA trade has caught me off guard there. Um, you know, clearly I, I doubt as much as I want to see him up the big league level, I doubt we'll see Mauricio up there. You know, for Rochester, when Darren Baker comes back from injury, that's going to be big. But they've had a ton of MLB vets really play well as well. So um, 
I really do expect both teams to, to kind of contend here in the second half of the of the AAA season. Yeah, my only concern is uh, with AAA Syracuse just because of the Mets. They keep, you know, bringing relievers back and forth, and now they're bringing Peterson up. Um, you know, I just think the pitching might be a, might be an issue, and I still think uh, we're going to see Steven Ridings very soon up with the Mets. He's been tearing it up at Syracuse. Yeah, I just don't know how you can leave him down there when yeah. you need bullpen help. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like the pitching might be an issue still. But I do agree. I feel like uh, Mauricio won't be called up. And uh, Vientils will probably spend a good chunk of that uh, half down there too, because just feel like they don't want when he's up here. They don't even play it much. Right, right. So uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully they're better second halves. It's better to talk about winning baseball. Um, but I think Rochester is gonna be pretty good. I don't know if you did this. I have a couple MVPs for both teams, if you will. Uh, for for Rochester, for me, Darren Baker, who. Um, He's not on the Nationals 40, man. I think going into next year he will be. Um, he's a name that I think if you're a casual baseball fan, I, I'd be prepared to get to know it. Does have power. He's a classic middle infield contact guy with a lot of speed and a great defensive glove. I know he's been hurt for most of June, uh, but um, you know he really set the catalyst for, for the Red Wings to start the year. And also uh, Matt Adams. Um coming back, trying to make a comeback to the big leagues. And in a spot where a lot of guys opted out, he has not. And he is all in with the Red Wings. He, uh, if you look at some of the social media stuff that the Red Wings do, um, and he's around them in the pictures, he's always smiling. He's, it looks like he is legitimately happy to be in a Red Wings uniform. And he's playing good baseball. And I know he's not on the 40-man either for Washington. And selfishly, I want him to stay in Rochester the rest of the way and continue having a good year there. But I wouldn't be all that upset if he did get one more shot in the big leagues with the Nationals in the second half of the year, to be completely honest. He, he deserves it. He's played very well this first half of the year. For the Mets, I, I, it's too easy for me. It's Ronnie Mauricio and, and Mark Vientos. Um, I know down the stretch, but I think we probably could have made the case for Joey Lucchese to be completely honest in there for one of them, but the numbers don't lie. When, when, when those two are in the lineup together for Syracuse, it's a completely different animal, and it's both above 300. Both, I mean, the exit velos speak for themselves, and I, I think those two are the S-Mets MVPs for the first half, hands down. Yeah, even when Syracuse loses, if you look at all the box scores, they score so many runs. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know, um, you know, where they ranked in the first half in terms of runs scored, because uh, a lot of times they've been losing slugfest and just putting up a lot of runs, but the pitching hasn't been there. Kind of like the New York Mets. Um, so yeah, uh, I I do agree with you there. I think definitely those guys are the, the two leading MVPs so far. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how the second half plays out. Like I said, they have a couple extra days off here than they usually do. They'll get going again on Wednesday for both teams for the second half of the year. For Rochester, they'll be in Lehigh Valley to start. Rochester hosting Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Um, really, there's no true transactional news for the Mets, uh, only because we've, we've already touched on them with the big league club. For Rochester, Jeter Downs and Lucius Fox both began rehab assignments. Jeter Downs is with Wilmington. Lucius is with the Florida Compacts League squad. And Paulo Espino was recalled to Washington. There has been an announced corresponding move with that, though. 
So I'm kind of intrigued to see who possibly could be be on the move there as uh, the second half of the International League gets going. And of no, I think we might mention it last week, if you're wondering, for the International League, it was the Norfolk Tides who secured the first half crown in the International League. So congrats to Baltimore's AAA affiliates. Not really, but, you know, we have to legally say that. All right, so that will take care of Concrete Jungle for Monday, the early week edition. Um, be back on Thursday for sure. Kyle, uh, before we get out of here, who do you got tonight, Florida or LSU? Do or die, winner take all. I'm going to say LSU. Oh, God, you're taking the – you're taking the chalk pick. No, I just I don't think they lose again. Especially after yesterday? Yeah, there's <laughs> no way they come out and lose this game. I'm going to go Florida. But, Tani. but it's been the year of the Florida teams, you know. Sure, sure. So uh, maybe they, uh, you know, do break get the, this win. Break the curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a fun college World Series. If, uh, if anybody hasn't been watching it, you're missing out, so – uh, like I said, we'll be back on Thursday. Until then, enjoy the week, everybody. If you can't watch us live here on YouTube, catch up anytime. YouTube, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters. So until Thursday, enjoy the baseball, everybody, and we'll talk with everybody then. <laughs>